sight. Caterpillar to a butterfly. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Here we are together again on another Saturday morning. Good Saturday morning to you, Ashley Frasca, live in the studios of 95.5 WSB, ready to do another show, ready to be with you for three hours today. Can't wait to talk about all that you're doing out in your landscape, out in the yard. You've had a lot more time lately, so I bet things are pretty spruced up. Everything's looking pretty nice in your landscape. At least I hope you're finding some inspiration and some motivation during these weird times, but things slowly, maybe, starting to get back to normal, whether we like it or not. We're going to test that out and see how things go. But nevertheless, I don't want you to give up on your yard or on your garden. So I want to hear from you this morning what you're doing. Let's give each other some ideas and some inspiration of things to try, things to share, even if you're just cutting back weeds or vines or trying to manicure and just maintain kind of maybe what we've let go over the last year or two. I want to hear about it. I want to hear how you're tackling your yard projects. 404-872-0750 is the number for Green and Growing. I'll be here till nine o'clock with you. It's going to be a busy weekend here, so we hope you'll stay tuned to 95.5 WSB. Stay with us throughout the weekend. Later on today, of course, Dave Baker and the Home Fix-It Show, 9 to noon, and then Belinda Skelton's Atlanta Living, 1 to 3. And we're going to have UGA football, a vintage game, the SEC championship game from 2017. You can hear that here from 3 to 5.30, so you'll want to stick around for the weekend. And the weather's supposed to be beautiful today, so hopefully you've got a lot planned. So... With uh, with COVID-19 and some people kind of panicking about food and where it's going to come from, from food procurement, we've had shortages at some of the grocery stores and various things. Gardening has just been such a hot topic and so many companies are overwhelmed with orders, whether it was for seed or plants and some of the big box stores are just seeing sales like they have never seen before. Folks coming in and getting, uh, ve- you know, vegetable plants and things to start in the garden. So hopefully you were planting maybe around April 15th. Maybe you're like me and you're going to wait a week or so from then, because we had some cold spells. I think things got down to maybe the the high 30s in some parts of Metro Atlanta. So this is the weekend that we're going to be planting our vegetable garden. If you follow the show's page on Facebook, Green and Growing WSB is all you need to search for. You'll see my slow process. I share everything with you just because I'm learning. It's a learning curve for me. And I try to, you know, inspire you with the things that I'm trying. And I'll always admit to what doesn't work. But I'll always maybe brag about what does work and take some ideas from you. That's kind of what gardeners do. They share plants. They share information with each other. So this weekend, my husband and I are finally going to plant an 8 by 8 raised bed that we built. And when I say raised, it's almost waist high. So that was a lot of soil to fill that. But we've got cucumbers, which we did not start from seed. Just got cucumber plants recently. But tomato and bell peppers, I did. I started the seed back in February. Really excited to do that. I still have... Gosh, out of maybe 35 tomato plants that came up from seed, maybe 29 have made it, maybe 28. So like the bigger they've gotten, some have just not not made it as, as much as they need to. But I'm ready to plant a few, share a few. That's kind of how it goes. But found an interesting article, too, not even starting anything from seed or from, you know, the plants you get from the nursery, but 14 foods that you can regrow from kitchen scraps. And if you're a composter, you're kind of used to that mentality of, 
saving things and reusing things. So I thought this article was interesting. And for kids, too, some things to do with the kids. Whether or not these kitchen scraps are going to bear any kind of fruit, just something fun for the kid to see how it gets from its origin into something new in some cases. So potatoes were one. You definitely can do that. And we've talked about that over the years on the show with with Walter Reeves as well at the Lawn and Garden Show. Perlite, growing potatoes and perlite. It doesn't even need to be messy. You don't even need any soil. But if you do it from another potato, really, you just need the two eyes. So it needs to sit in the pantry for a little bit. Two eyes, that's easy to grow in soil. Sometimes harvest is six to eight weeks. It can be that quick, depending on the type of potato you do. That's fascinating. And some people can give you cuttings from their herb garden. So you can end up with things like mint and basil and cilantro. That's always something easy to share. Tomatoes, I don't know. If you've had success with doing that, taking seeds out of the tomatoes, I would love to hear about that because that that sounds a little more complicated when it's just so easy to get the, the seed packet. And bell pepper, too. Bell pepper is another one. Some of these are just great, though. Oh, avocado. So many people call... And try that when you put the toothpicks in the avocado pit and you just rest it on top of a glass of water and let it develop roots down into the water. That's so cool. And likely it's not going to grow avocados. And here in Georgia, it just it, it isn't warm enough for that. But at least you get a really cool house plant out of it. So that takes some patience and some nurturing. But I think that may be well worth the efforts. And squash and zucchini. I just I don't know about that one either. So Give me your thoughts on that if that's anything you've ever tried or had success with. 404-872-0750. So coming up today, some of the theme is going to be pests that you see in your landscape. Right now is definitely the time to be proactive in some of the pests that you're going to see. So coming up at 630, have a conversation with Walter Reeves about differentiating the difference between some bugs that are commonly mistaken for one another. And of course, we've got your garden to-do list later in the show and peppered throughout the show. Just the three basic things to not overwhelm you. Easy stuff to get out in the yard today. Coming up at 7 o'clock, this is an interview I'm so excited about. I was a baseball fan when I was a kid. Huge baseball fan. Got into going to Braves games with my dad. Picked my favorite players. Um, watched TBS all the time. Watched the Braves on TBS and, of course, the 95 World Series, too. But I followed the career of Cal Ripken Jr., who was a shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles. And, of course, then in 1995, he broke the streak for consecutive games played. In Major League Baseball, Lou Gehrig held that record, and he beat it when he played his 2,131st game at Camden Yards there in Maryland. And that was amazing. I think there's just so much history behind that streak. I I mean, can you imagine going to work for 2,131 consecutive days like you would just be a nutcase if you did. You need a you need a mental health day. You need a vacation. You need a break. But nevertheless, he was able to finally once once he uh, broke the ended the streak, he ended up with two thousand six hundred and thirty two. So he went above and beyond what he needed to do as far as consecutive games played in Major League Baseball. So I had a conversation with him. Just I'm so inspired by someone who has that much dedication to their profession. And who knew he was a gardener? He's got great, great stories about gardening. So I can't wait to share that with you at 7 o'clock. And some fond memories of his dad. So I know a lot of us probably got our hands dirty for the first time in the yard with our parents. And so just really letting him reminisce about his dad, who was also his baseball coach throughout his career growing up and even playing with the Orioles, too. He was the manager of the team for a little bit. So really excited about that. And Pike's Pick has or uh, Pike's Nursery. They've got some news for us at 830, just kind of updating us on the coronavirus and where things stand in the store. But you are still able 
to get what you need from Pike Nursery. So that is great news. 404-872-0750. Call about anything you're doing in the yard, anything you're trying. I'd love to hear from you. First up is Don in North Carolina. Hey, Don, good morning. Good to hear from good, you. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Very good. How about you? Very good. I live over on the coast of North Carolina, about uh, three-quarters of a mile from the Atlantic Ocean and right next to the Inland Waterway. And we... Um, we uh, have some beautiful azaleas over here, and, and one of the problems in those azaleas is a briar that grows uh, uh, sort of like kudzu, I think a foot a night, you know. Yeah, sure. And, and it has nodules on the bottom. And one of the um, uh, old-timers over here gave me two remedies to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. One of them was to get some hogs and let them eat the nodules, and the other one was to move <laughs> off and leave them. And I didn't like either one of those no. suggestions. Do you have anything? You know, what I have used with some success, I don't have the amount of briars that you do, but definitely at the wood line at our house, we back up to a creek. I've had success with bio-advanced brush killer, and that is at least a selective enough of a concentrated product that it's not going to harm the azaleas. So obviously, you know, Roundup and things like that just are not a good choice for you. But this is pretty right. targeted to uh, briars, brush, poison ivy, those kinds of things, kudzu, anything that's viney. Um, so I've had I've had you know very good success with that, and with any product that's that's used to kill anything, whether it is something like glyphosate and, and Roundup or just something like this, I would always do it on a day when it's not windy. And you're so close to the coast, that's going to be hard to do. But just you know, drift and the unintended consequences of using it on a windy day. But Bio Advanced Brush Killer that has really worked for me. Um, right, other do than, you apply that to the leaves, or you try to get right to the root? Yeah, yeah, you definitely can apply it to the leaves. You know, just buy a pump sprayer for it or something like that and apply it to the leaves. And you may have to give it three days before you really start to see the results. Um, but, yeah, that should that should knock it out for you. Hogs, and what else was the other one? <laughs> Move off and leave them. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. That, yeah, that's always an option, too. Yeah, manual removal is just so tough, especially when you've got the briars. Well, you called about the azaleas, what, a, a few weeks ago. How are they doing? Uh, they, they were probably the best we've ever seen over here, but they didn't last long this year. The the lunge, I think the, the rain sort of, they dissipated pretty quick, but they were really gorgeous this year, and they're more, they're, uh, the plants are probably 30, 35 years old. Yeah, oh, and see, and we're all home more often to get to enjoy all of that. Sometimes with the hustle and bustle of life, you're not at home much, and you're, you're right, they don't bloom for too long, some of them. So, Don, great to hear from you. Thank you so much for giving us a call. We're going to Take a break here. we got to check traffic and weather, and we will be back with your calls on Green and Growing. I'm Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and informed. Now back to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. Thank you so much, Scott. Good to be with you on a Saturday morning. I might go ahead and uh, plan on being out in the yard or just doing your errands earlier in the day. I want to give you a weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Yeah, it's going to be nice this afternoon and highs around 78. It's going to be pretty. Lows in the uh, low 50s, but there is a mix of sun and clouds, a few isolated showers. Things could get a little harried after 7 p.m. tonight, though. A chance of strong storms, maybe hail and wind gusts are not out of the question. Isolated threats throughout metro Atlanta, so you definitely want to be weather aware this evening. And then tomorrow it calms down. It's going to be dry, mix of sun and clouds, breezy and cool. Lows reaching the mid-40s, so button up for sure 
overnight Sunday into Monday. Your complete weather forecast comes up from meteorologist Kirk Mellish here in just a few minutes on 95.5 WSB. Taking your calls this morning, 404-872-0750. But first, we want to do this. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Some pretty basic things you can just get out and do if you just have a little bit of time. These three things will really make a difference in the landscape. So first, now is a good time to fertilize patio pots and hanging baskets with something high in nitrogen, water-soluble fertilizer, maybe every two weeks to keep them growing actively. And always check the water. Just use your finger. That's all you need to do, especially in hanging baskets. You don't want to let those dry out. Supplement with a slow-acting time-to-release fertilizer, maybe like in the pellet form as well. Number two, Uh, prune spring flowering shrubs and vines immediately to start reshaping them. It feels like some of us in different parts of Metro Atlanta had early flushes of some of those spring flowering shrubs. And so now we may be seeing them peter out a little bit earlier than we used to. So now is the time to prune things like that. Rhododendron, which mine never opened this year. I'm not sure why they put on buds and everything. My rhododendron did not open, but had they Now would be the time that I'm thinking to major, major prune them, reshape them. Also, Encore Azaleas, you want to keep those going. So now is a good time to prune some of that back. Winter Jasmine, too. That's a good vine that you're looking to maybe keep in check. And number three, look out for powdery mildew on rose stems and leaves. That's pretty common. All it needs are daytime temperatures above 60 degrees and some humidity, and you've got powdery mildew. You're just going to know it when you see it on the leaves and on the stems, just a faint, white, cloudy-looking kind of substance. It could also affect, though, azalea and crabapple, dogwood, crepe myrtle, and rhododendron. So just be on the lookout for powdery mildew. To treat it, all you got to do, remove affected parts of the plant. Avoid overhead watering. That's just a good practice to get into regardless whether we're talking about landscape shrubs or things in the vegetable garden, avoid overhead watering. You want to just make sure you water at the soil level, not a lot of splash up back onto the leaves where they're going to stay wet and apply a fungicide as soon as you start to notice powdery mildew, if that is the case. 404-872-0750 is the number here on 95.5 WSB to talk with us on green and growing. Hope everyone in your household is doing well and the kids are staying entertained and amused and just not driving you too crazy. There are so many fantastic companies throughout COVID-19 over this last month, month and a half that have come out with some really good activities for the kiddos and for yourself to do, whether inside the house or outside. And I want to direct you to the Facebook page again, Green and Growing WSB there. I've got a scavenger hunt that I devised back in March when all of this was kind of kicking up. Something to get the kids out in the yard and do. And maybe you were able to spend a lot of time out on Easter Sunday. That was an awfully nice afternoon, too. But hit up the uh, Facebook page, check out the scavenger hunt, and let me know what you think. And we had a conversation with Walter a week or two ago, which you can go back on WSBradio.com and listen to, where he had some quirky ideas for lawn projects and things to do. So there's always something to be doing if you just have the energy to do it, maybe commit an hour to the day, take the kids outside and have them teach, have them, have them learn a little something being out in the yard. All right, we're coming up on 628 here on Green and Growing. We're going to be here taking your calls and much more lawn and garden information on 95.5 WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. 
Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to Green and Growing here on 95.5 WSB. You made it through the week. We made it to Saturday morning together. We'll have a sunrise here in less than an hour. So looking forward to starting another Saturday morning with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're listening to O'Neill Outdoors before us, and now we're on till 9 o'clock this morning, followed by Dave Baker and the Home Fix-It Show. Taking your calls here on Green and Growing 404-872-0750. And oftentimes we've promoted the open mic feature here on WSB, and that's just found using the WSB radio app on your phone. When you open that, you look for the open mic icon, and you can just record yourself leaving a question for us as well. That's an alternative. If you don't want to stay on hold or you don't want to go on the radio, you can just record your name and where you're from and just a quick version of whatever your question is, and we can also answer questions that way as well. Well, this part of the show is when we have Walter Wonder. So Georgia gardener Walter Reeves joins me every Saturday morning and is very observant about the world around him and also hears from so many of you just over the decades of him doing this, getting emails and calls and things like that, photographs that are sent to him about people trying to identify what's going on in the yard. And that's usually what motivates him and inspires him for content for his website and for the WSB newsletter. So we always like to pick Walter's brain and see what he is seeing. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. Hey, Walter, and you're back on Green and Growing. We're talking about insects today, right? Yep, bugs, but particular bugs that I just have noticed in the landscape that I thought everybody else might have a question about. You know, you posted something on social media a few weeks ago, very good observation about a crane fly, which uh, one of your writers or one of your folks that emailed you was mistaking for a mosquito. And I think the same can be said for maybe us seeing these little flying pests, thinking, oh, no, they're termites, but they might not be could be flying ants. So how would we tell the difference between a flying termite and a flying ant? One we worry about, the other one maybe not so much. And the difference is pretty easy. Just catch one and look at the body. A termite's body will look like a cigar. It goes from the head all the way to the tail. It doesn't change in its diameter, its width at all. Whereas an ant will have a very distinct head and waist and abdomen. And so you see these little constrictions where it goes in to make the head, goes in to make the waist, goes in to make the, the tail end. So a termite looks like a cigar, ant looks like something with head, body, and tail. Now, is this true, true or false? Not all ants have wings, but all termites do. True or false? False. Termites, just like ants, have various um, life stages. Let's call it life stages. The winged ones are the ones that are actually reproductive. They're the ones that can mate with each other and make more baby termites or baby ants. But most of the termites' life is uh, spent as a white little grub, again, cigar-shaped, but doesn't have wings underneath the surface of your wood or log or wherever they're decomposing. And so termites, uh, most of the time, it's going to be a white grub sort of thing. And only the flying time is when they are able to uh, mate with each other. Now, where are we going to most commonly see the flying termite? Coming out of a stump. It's the most amazing thing. I was just caught sight in my garden one day of this cloud of silver coming out (laughs) of a stump. And I thought, what the hey? And went down to look, and it was thousands, thousands of termites flying up out of the stump. And all of them looking for a mate, number one, I guess. And then number two, after the female uh, termites are mated, then they go somewhere and crawl underneath a twig or underneath a leaf or something they know they can eat. 
and they start laying eggs, and the workers come out, and the workers start eating that twig or that leaf or that log or that whatever they can find to eat in the in the landscape. So Walter's got like the nightclub of termites in his backyard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're partying down. Well, hey, so Walter, we also we get a lot of questions about ant control, more so about fire ants, though, because black ants seem to just be less of a nuisance, and certainly they're not going to bite or hurt us as badly as fire ants. And, and again, you can have winged fire ants, too. You'll see them coming out of the mounds. The mound, of course, is the thing you see in your lawn or landscape or along the highway. Those, what do they call about eight inches high and 12 inches wide they can mounds be, yeah. that the, the fire ants have made. And the way to control fire ants is very specific because it comes in two steps, not one. The two-step, we call it the Georgia two-step for how to control fire ants. The first thing to do is to spread a bait. And I love the idea of baits because the baits are pretty specific just for fire ants. They don't hurt the native ants at all, or not much anyway. And so a bait like one brand name is called Andro, A-M-D-R-O. And there's one more whose name I can't remember right now, but there's one more bait. It's got to say bait on the, on the container before you use it. Spread that over the whole lawn, landscape, pasture, whatever. And all the ants, all the fire ants who find that bait will come and eat it, hopefully. Bring it down to the queen. She'll eat some, too, and everybody's dead. So a bait is great. But then it takes about, uh, I don't know, a week or so before the mound dies. And so what about you? You And you're out there walking around in the lawn. The kids are playing on the playground. What do you do about that mound that's still there? Right. It's dying, but it's still there. And that's when you do the second step of the two-step, and that is to use a mound drench or a mound uh, powder application. And so you use there are several insecticides. You mix with water and just pour it down in the mound, and a couple more that you spread around the top of the mound. And I'm not a big believer at all in these fire controls where you just spread the insecticide over the whole lawn because that does help. That does hurt. I mean, the native ants and the creatures that I like, like lightning bugs like uh, ground-nesting bees, like things that I really would like to have in my lawn. I don't like the sort of area-wide firing control products at all. I'd rather do step one, use a bait. Step two, treat the individual big mounds, be done with it. It'll take a year before you see any firing back. Okay, now hit me up with this. True or false, there is an organic control for fire ants. It's hard, but there is. Okay. And there's some weird things that don't work at all. And I'll mention <laughs> one that doesn't work at all first, and that is spreading grits. You've heard that, right? You put yes. grits around the fire ant mound, yeah. and they'll eat it, and then they'll explode, no. and the grits go into the stomach. No, 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 no. Keep that the grits for yourself, work. not for the ants. <laughs> the fire ant workers, when they get something, when they bring something into their body, they have to liquefy it first before it goes into their body. And so they liquefy the grit. It's already a sort of paste kind of stuff that goes into their body. They do not explode with grits. It does not work. The one about uh, shoveling mounds of fire ants are going to shovel out there and shovel one mound and pour it onto another mound. They fight it out until they're all dead. No, 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 no. That doesn't work either. Well, not to mention, I wouldn't sh want to shovel them for the mere fact that if I'm standing there long enough, either going to start crawling <laughs> in my shoes or crawl exactly. up the handle of the shovel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah no. another good reason not to do it. Yeah. So. Uh, one that might work, and you don't really want to disturb the mound in any case. I don't know. It's tempting to go out and kick the mound just to see them run, but the better thing to do if you're going to use this, this method here, uh, boiling water. Boiling water works sort of okay. 
But again, timing is really critical for this because you want that queen as high as you can get her in the mound so she's most likely to be boiled alive by your treatment. And so the best time to do that is in 10, 11 o'clock in the morning when she's really up high working. Wow, that's interesting. And then what, as the day goes on, she just burrows deeper into the mound? Yeah, it gets, it gets hotter. And she says, I don't like it up here. So she goes down deeper into the ground. And the deeper she goes, the less temperature you have of boiling water to, to hurt her, to affect her. Interesting. Well, Walter, thank you very much for all of that. I definitely learned a couple of new things. I had no idea. Yeah. No grits for fire. Tell the world. No grits for <laughs> That's fire. Right. That's right. Well, hey, good catching up with you. We'll talk to you next week. See you soon. Thanks. Home remedies and things that people always try are kind of amusing, and, and some people swear by them. Some people say that that's what they've always done, and that's what works, and other people don't have any success. So it's kind of funny to hear what Walter hears about things that'll maybe treat diseases or insects in the lawn. So, yeah, a lot of you starting to see different kinds of bugs, fire ants being one, if you've spent any time mowing your yard yet. And also, just to be aware on the shrubbery and things like that in your landscape, Early spring like this is a good time to really be vigilant about looking out for any kind of damage and getting to it early. So basically, when you break it down, pests that are annoying to any kind of flowering shrub or just um, foundation hedge on your on your home, they could be broken down into three categories. There's those that suck the sap, so sucking pests, and then there's chewing pests, so that's going to be pretty visible, holes in the leaves and that kind of thing. And then boring pests. No, no, they're not boring like, you know, lame. They're boring as in boring into weakened wood or trunks of trees and things like that. So let's go over a little bit of that. If you're empowered to at least know three different kinds and kind of categorize what you see based on their characteristics, then you'll better know how to treat what you see. So first we'll start with sucking pests, removing the sap from the plant. That's going to cause a lack of chlorophyll in some of the leaves, and you'll see stippling. You'll see where there are spots that are not green on the leaf. That's a good indication that some of the sap is being removed. That's just one indication. So those pests are like lace bug, which we've talked about, treatment on azaleas, white flies, mites, and scale. So with most of those, it's very important to treat both sides of the leaves because a lot of them will live on the undersides of the leaves. So you want to be careful of that and spray the undersides of the leaves as well. And sometimes it's just a matter of removing the affected leaves if you get to it early enough and the bugs and the pests haven't spread to the entire plant. And uh, insecticidal soap is going to be something good that's organic. They can treat those. And also with like lace bugs, something that flies and just kind of bounces around. Sometimes the garden hose, watering at the right time of day and just knocking those guys down will make it a little trickier for them to get back up on the horse. Chewing pests, holes in the leaves, you're going to see that. That comes from caterpillars, bagworms, beetles. Those are a lot more visible easier to see than the sucking pests. They're pretty substantial size. Caterpillars we're not seeing a whole lot of yet, but a common treatment for caterpillars is any insecticide that has BT, and that's Bacillus thuringiensis in it. So BT is the active ingredient that you're going to want to look for later on if you have fall webworms and tent caterpillars and things like that. So next is boring pests, and we get a lot of calls about those when you see the the trunk of a tree, a tree that's maybe already weakened, it was, you know, prone to some kind of weather event or some other, you know, infestation of some kind of insect, but it's already weakened and folks will walk by it and notice it's almost like toothpicks sticking out the sides of the trunk. It looks really weird, like long hairs, but that's an, a great sign of a boring pest, something that you've got like an ambrosia beetle, for example. And what that is, is that's literally sawdust that they are boring out 
as they go in. And so that's the sawdust that you see as those toothpicks. So they're drawn to weakened trees and trunks, things like that. Sawdust often pushed out. So for the ambrosia beetle, which that's pretty common in some maples and also crepe myrtles as well, you use permethrin, which that's a product that we can start getting on a regimen now and applying it now if ambrosia beetles are something that you see just to be ahead and on top of things. So 404-872-0750. Thank you so much to my colleague Walter Reeves for that information on fire ants and termites. You can go back and listen to that if that was relevant and you needed to identify and be able to tell the difference, distinguish the difference between the two. Go back on wsbradio.com on Monday morning to the On Demand section and you can listen to each hour of the show. Walter's information in this first hour, the six o'clock hour is always pretty critical. So we're going to take a break, check news, weather and traffic and we will be back on 95.5 WSB. Self-isolation never sounded so good. Listen to Atlanta's news and talk on your desktop or laptop. We're streaming live on WSBRadio.com. Easy to find us 24 hours a day and seven days a week. I know your habits of being in the car Monday through Friday, driving to and from school and work aren't really the same. So we hope you have found ways to listen to us in your home, whether it's using your smart speaker or your phone in the WSB radio app. We so appreciate you staying with us through these trying times. Want to give you a weather update that is brought to you by Finley Roofing. This afternoon's going to be all right, but there is a chance of a few isolated showers and thunderstorms coming in later this afternoon, maybe close to dinner time. Storms that could have hail and strong winds. That's not out of the question today, but highs in the upper 70s. It'll be warm lows around the low 50s. And then tomorrow, all of that has moved through a mix of sun and clouds, breezy and cool. Definitely a lot cooler. Highs only reaching the upper 60s and lows in the mid 40s. So a cool down and then looking forward to a little bit better weather as we move on into Monday and Tuesday as well. So Kirk Mellish has your complete forecast coming up here on 95.5 WSB in just minutes. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. So just in the last half hour, talked a lot about pests, but also something that you want to be on the lookout for, things in your landscape. Powdery mildew. It's just like it sounds. It's happening on my pansies as they start to fade and the weather gets warmer, but also on stems of some roses. That's where people are starting to see it first, whether it's on the stems or the leaves, just a white, milky-looking substance. So all that needs to really be initiated is daytime temperatures above 60, which we've had, and humidity. So that's also the case. We've had some good rains maybe once or twice a week here lately. So that could affect azaleas and crab apples, crepe myrtles, rhododendrons. One of the first spots you're going to see it is on the leaves. But to treat, just remove affected parts of the plant, avoid overhead watering, and apply a fungicide as soon as you notice it. Number two, you want to fertilize those patio pots and hanging baskets with a high nitrogen water-soluble fertilizer, maybe every two weeks or so, just when you step outside and you think about it, to keep them growing actively. And number three, now a lot of you call about when to prune my azalea and when to prune my rhododendron. So prune spring flowering shrubs like those and vines too immediately to reshape them. Now's the time to do that. Some of those vines, that could include winter jasmine as well, just when all the blooms start to peter out. Now what I'd like to hear from you, a task that I have to do here pretty soon my rhododendron beside the driveway, they set some great buds over the fall and the winter. And that's one of the first things I look forward to blooming in my landscape. They're just these bright pink, light pink, but big blooms. 
beside the driveway, I've got about five of those plants that are very established. I can tell you from my experience in eight years in that house, they've never been pruned. And now they are starting to look leggy. The buds didn't open up this year. I don't know what the problem was. I just put pine straw out underneath them a few weeks ago, but it was like too little too late. So if you have experience pruning these big rhododendrons, I would love to hear from you and how you do it and exactly what you do because mine are just so big and leggy that I just kind of don't even know where to begin. And I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice some of the buds, sure, but that's just kind of part of the game. Also, a bonus. Now, I just gave you the top three things to do, but here's a fourth one, and this one's fun. If you plan on going to the nursery, shopping around a little bit this weekend, now is a good time to plant the summer blooming bulbs. So begin planting those in late April, which is now like gladiolas, dahlias, and caladiums. Caladiums, maybe some of you overwintered those from last year. You dug them up. Now's a good time to get those out, and that's going to give us some color all summer long. All right, approaching 6.58 now. Ashley Frasca here hosting Green and Growing on WSB. Taking your calls as well, 404-872-0750. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.